1: On Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All
2: right, welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two coming up,
1: and we kick things off, Paul, with a special guest as we have the last few weeks. Well, on the line with us now is the one and only Trey Wingo. Trey is brought to us today by Caesar Sportsbooks. Your first bet is on Caesar's. Bet up to $1,250. And if you don't win, you'll get it back as a free bet. Terms and conditions must apply. Must be 21 plus. Well, welcome to Sports Daily. We're always glad to have you uh, on with us uh, today, uh, uh, Trey. I guess the obvious question heading into this segment with you is, Are you buying into the Purdy hype? Because there's a lot of hype. This kid is really looking good after only two games. But are you buying the hype? I'm
3: buying the Niners hype. I'm not sure I'm buying the Purdy hype. Uh, And let me explain. First of all, great great to be with you guys. And uh, let's kick things off in hour number two. Great intro song right there from She's Out of My League. One of the great movies of all time. Um, But... Look, Purdy's been done phenomenal, but you know they don't ask him to do a lot, right? The Niners, as, a, as an organization, don't ask their quarterback to do a lot. They once beat the Packers in an NFC Championship game to eventually lose to the Chiefs in Super Bowl Fifty Four by throwing it a grand total of eight times. So you know they're proving that they can win with the quarterback not being the reason they win. They're seven and zero with Christian McCaffrey as a starting uh, since he became the starting running back in San Francisco. They're seven and one since he got there. The only loss. Uh, was that short week against the Chiefs when they didn't implement the full uh, game plan for him in Kyle Shanahan's running offense. But Purdy has been really good. Uh, but I'm not uh, I'm not anointing anyone after two starts with a suffocating defense and maybe the most interesting and complex running game in all football.
2: It's interesting, too, Trey, because they, I, I think, anyway, a part of the reason <clears throat> they went out and got Trey Lance is because Jimmy G can't stay on the field. He's hurt all the time. That's playing itself out right now. But what I wonder is because Trey Lance didn't, you know, show a ton before he was injured this year, how much Brock Purdy may enter the real conversation of the future of that position for this team. And maybe even the immediate future as Jimmy G comes back in time for the postseason.
3: Well, Well, that, that's really the whole thing, right? Because, uh, I believe that if Jimmy G is healthy, they will go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the Niners know what they can do with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he took him to Super Bowl 54. They had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter last year in the NFC Championship game. And if Jaquiski Tart doesn't drop an arm punt interception from Matthew Stafford, they're probably going to their second Super Bowl in three years with Jimmy Garoppolo. So as, as much as the Brock Purdy thing is fun, and there, there are a couple of things that he does better. Than then Jimmy G he's much, he, he's much better moving in the pocket. Like that first touchdown throw to Kittle, you know, fake screen left, fake screen, right. Then throw it to Kittle. It was just a great play design by the way, but you know, Kittle gives them a little, I mean, excuse me, Purdy gives them a little more of a movement in, in the pocket. But you know Jimmy G is this weird litmus test for quarterbacks. And I know you mentioned Trey Lance, and I'll get to that in a second. You know He's never going to be the reason you win games, but he can be the reason that your team gets to a lot of fun places by him not screwing it up. Uh, so I think if, if Jimmy G's healthy, they go back to Jimmy G. Um, the Trey Lance thing, though, this is where it gets really interesting, right? If, if we're learning that you don't require your quarterback to do a ton to be successful in San Francisco's offense – and why the hell did they spend three first-round picks drafting Trey Lance? And I think the the honest answer is they believed Trey Lance was going to have Lamar Jackson-type skills, and I know some people that are very close to Kyle Shanahan have had conversations with him, and sort of that's what they believed. Now, he may, but he hasn't been able to show that yet in a very limited time frame because of a obviously uh, they had Jimmy Garoppolo last year. They only played him sporadically, and then he got injured week one and broke his ankle. So it is a fascinating thing because if you can win with a Brock Purdy, why do you need three first round picks to give up to go to get a Trey Lance?
1: <laughs> that's that's a good point. Uh, got a weird question for you, but I, I need some help, particularly as I look at my betting lines over the course of the next couple of weeks. This weekend is going to be a, the start of some really cold weather. Well, for gosh sakes, we're in December. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. But uh, you look at this weekend, I, I actually made some some in-show picks based upon weather because I think it's going to be a factor. Weather – A week from this weekend is even going to be worse with highs in certain areas that play NFL football that may not get out of the single digits, some even uh, close to zero. Talk to me a little about your teams. Who do you like as cold weather teams? Who do you have? Who can I look at when I want to make a bet? Who would you look at and say, yeah, this team is good into cold weather. That's not a bad that's not a bad line to take.
3: Well, let, let's start with this weekend, right? Because right. Uh, there's, one, there's one obvious one, and that's Miami traveling up to Buffalo. Uh, temperature's going to be about 26. Uh, they're expecting wind and several inches of snow, potentially in Buffalo during the game. This does not bode well for Miami in any way, shape, or form. They brought heaters, guys, to the game at SoFi Sunday night against the Chargers when it was 59 degrees. Now, that is marshmallow soft. That is baby poop soft, okay? Like, that is, that is ridiculous. And now let's factor in. They have actually won one time in Buffalo, uh, up in Buffalo since uh, 2012. They're 1-9 and in, in their last 10 outings in Buffalo. And now let's take it one step further. The Miami Dolphins have lost eight straight games, including playoffs, where the game-time temperature kickoff was below 40 degrees. The, and the average, the average margin of victory for the other team was 20 and a half points. I get it. It's Mike McDaniel. It's Tua. It's a, it's a new-look Miami Dolphins team. I don't know that I'm expecting very much of a difference because they just don't deal with this well at all. They never have. And we've seen the last two weeks Tua has, you know, he's regressed. Um, teams are finding out uh, that if you if you jam the middle of the field, you know the seam routes, the in curls, the in cuts, and force Tua to throw those longer throws outside the hashes. That's where he struggles, and that was the knock on Tua coming out of college. So, if you can sort of jam the middle of the field, don't give him the easy ones to waddle, and and and. Tyreek and Gusecki over the middle and then force him to get that ball outside the hashes, especially in windy, cold weather, Uh, you know, like we're going to have up in Buffalo Saturday night. I just even though Buffalo has this is one of my favorite nuggets of all time, but it's a small sample size. The last time the Bills. Covered laying more than seven points against the Dolphins was November of 1967. Now, granted, there have only been four of those situations <laughs> over a long time frame, but I, I'm going to bet more on the Dolphins are not good in cold weather ever. And, uh, you know, they're also coming in reeling, and the Dolphins' defense is really good at home and below average on the road. Just go look at the numbers.
2: Trey Wingo joining us here on Sports Daily. I always appreciate these visits. When we talk about weather, it's it's the wind generally, right? Unless you're just in a really yeah, unique yeah. circumstance. But it's the wind typically that plays the biggest factor in these games, isn't it?
3: It is. Um, it, yes. And, and the, the ball feels different. The ball's heavier when it's cold. Uh, that That's also part of it. Right. No, the, the wind is – it, if it's sunny and it's 25 degrees, that's perfect football weather. You're Right. If it's cloudy and the wind's whipping and you get those, those, uh, those two words that no one ever wants to hear in their life, wintry mix, you know, I, I'd much rather play in snow than in wintry mix because when it's that freezing rain and that ice, that just cuts right through you. If it's snow, most of the time you can handle it. It's just snow. But that wintry mix of, you know, could be some sleet, could be some ice
1: pellets, could be some freezing rain, that sucks for everybody. Well, Trey, mm-hmm. when we, we look at the uh, Chiefs and the uh the Texans, that's an interesting game, particularly to uh my co host because he's from Texas. Is it, he loves Texas. Is he, it really is is it is it an interesting game? Yeah, no, it's like, not I, I'm, I, I'm
2: not I
3: don't know. If I go that far. Okay. Not, well but I'm not but, that, but, that interested
1: in it. But it, it's an interesting game in terms of uh, of the Titan, I mean, I mean, when you look at at the uh, Texans, they played pretty darn well uh, last weekend against the Cowboys, uh, and yeah. I, I, I I'm really as a, at a loss for 14 points. I went ahead and took the 14, gave the 14 points to the uh, Texans. Uh, so did my co-host, our other co-host, Tommy. Uh, went ahead and took the Texans and got the 14 points. Man, I'll tell you what. I get lost sometimes on these big spreads. Sometimes I just I just don't know what I'm doing. Is that is that a particular spread, 14 points, would is that a spread that I I should take or or leave leave on the dock?
3: Well, listen, uh you know, the Cowboys were given 17 to the Texans That's and had right. to have hang on and win. So th- there's a couple of reasons why I think this could end pretty poorly for the Texans uh and help your bet. Is that the Chiefs were up 27 and up in, on Denver and sort of screwed around and played with their food and eventually came away with the win. And, you know, they're a little, t- it's a perfect, if, if you're a coach or a player, it's a perfect. Yeah, we got what we needed. We're in good shape, blah, blah, blah. But God, we, we kind of sucked and we need to fix that. So that's the mindset of the Chiefs going into this game against a team they should beat handily. And then you have the Texans who, you know, really, they gave it all, they gave it everything they had against the Cowboys. In-state rival, you know, blah, 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 blah. Everyone's talking about the Cowboys could challenge the Eagles and all this kind of stuff. And then uh, massive letdown for them. So you have the combination of a team like the Texans who felt like, well, that was our best shot and it still wasn't good enough. This sucks. And an angry Chiefs team who looks to say, look, that was not who we were. Let's go do this. Let's put this thing to bed early. But the Chiefs, as we said, are a 14-point road favorite. That's their largest spread as a road favorite since 1970. They were also a point point favorite at the Jets in 1971 at the Raiders in 2018. They lost to the Jets and they did not cover against the Raiders 40 to 33. The chiefs are not a great cover team because they do this. They get out in front. I mean, whether it was the the bucks earlier on this year, where they, you know, they had 40 plus and then they sort of let the bucks sneak in with the backdoor cover. I do think you'll get a complete game from Kansas city, but I also think because, they might pull some starters once they know the game is out of reach because the win wraps up the seventh straight AFC West championship for them, which I fully expect to happen. Um, so, the, the two, I mean, it can go one of two ways. So I'm not really helping you in any way, shape, or form. All the metrics <laughs> indicate a blowout. But if the, if the Chiefs are up like 30 to nothing, like the Dolphins were a few weeks ago against the Texans and they pulled all their starters – And then they made it what a thirty to twenty one game or something like that. Those things are very much in play here. The game will never be in doubt. The spread will be.
2: Yeah, it's I I hate that's why I hate those big spreads. Um, My favorite bet of the week, Trey, and and it we get since Justin Fields has been unlocked basically, it's been my favorite bet every week, and that's to take the Bears overs because he makes big plays and their defense sucks. So Philadelphia, who's got a juggernaut offense, comes in. I was surprised this didn't get over fifty. What, what do you think about that? Is I, I've sort of used that as just a mm-hmm. little, you know, must bet every week is to take the Bears overs for those reasons. This seems like another good spot for that to happen here.
3: It does, um, and the only thing that would go against that is that the the one knock against the Eagles. And it's you know it's we're we're splitting hairs here is that their run defense isn't great. Well, you're looking at a Bears team that because of Justin Fields being unlocked, as you said, can run all day on anybody. And if they can do that, that's going to limit possessions for Jalen Hurts and, and potentially uh, slow down the idea of the cover. Um, but, you know, you look at the last few weeks, the, the, the Eagles put a 40 on, on, uh, on the Packers and then uh, 35 against the Titans and 48 against the Giants. You know, sometimes those things don't go forward four games in a row. So uh, the only thing that would, I agree with you, everything indicates taking me over in a Bears game. The only concerns I would have were when you have a team that scored 40, 35, and 48 in three weeks. You know, it's, it's hard to do on a weekly basis. And if the Bears can get that running game going, they, they want to shorten the game. The only thing the Bears want to do is shorten this game. Let's give them six possessions, right? Let's give the Eagles max six possessions and see what they can do with those six possessions. And let's try and have the ball eight or nine times in our hands. And, and if they can do that, then the
1: cover would be in jeopardy. <clears throat> we had a little conversation with regards to the Seahawks because after watching the game last night between the 49ers and the Seahawks, uh, we've had some interesting conversation with regards to Pete Carroll and his place in in the hierarchy of of NFL coaches. And of course, everybody says, "Oh, look at Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, both in the top five uh, of all time wins, with, along with Tom Landry and George Halas and Don Shula." For God's sakes, that's hallowed ground, Trey. That's hallowed ground. Where does where does where does a coach Carroll fit in to the uh, term hallowed ground for NFL coaches?
3: Well, I, I think he's a really, really good head coach and one that is uh, not, I don't think, fully appreciated because, look, it, the fact that they are where they are right now uh, going to Geno Smith as their starting quarterback is an indication of what a good job that Pete Carroll has done. Then you look at the rookie draft class they had this year, which is unbelievable. You just go down the list of every pick they made, stud, 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 stud. It's been great. Um, <clears throat> I, I'll think it one step further. I mean, just, just so people understand the the magnitude of the interception in Super Bowl forty nine at the goal line by Malcolm Butler when it was, you know, three yards and maybe two Marshawn Lynch carries away from back to back Super Bowl championships for the Seahawks. If they had just finished that game and, and run the ball correctly, Pete Carroll would be the only coach in football history to have two Super Bowl wins and multiple NCAA championships. Now I get it, one of them was taken away in the Reggie Bush fiasco, scholarship, you know, Heisman Trophy, right. all that garbage, right. but they still won the game. Like I, you know, you can pretend like it didn't count. I saw him win the game. They did it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, like vacating titles and games is the dumbest thing of all time in college football. It just makes no sense. Um, so, he would be the only coach in the history of football to have multiple Super Bowl wins and multiple uh, college football championships. So that, that to me, forget Howell Grant of the NFL, like that's what was in line for Pete Carroll. He would have the ultimate chip that no one else could ever claim. I, I think that to me says what a good coach he is.
2: <clears throat> yeah, he's he's in the conversation. I agree with you. Um One more I want to ask you about here. We talked about the Cowboys and and that, you know, the Texans took them to the wire. I wonder how much they have to prove this week on the road against Jacksonville. I thought that line would be bigger. Jacksonville only getting four at home. The Cowboys, did did they need to prove something to us here to to remind us that they're a Super Bowl contender? Are we good with them either way?
3: Well, I think Jacksonville has a lot to say about that. I mean, they just went into yeah. Tennessee and ended a nine-game losing streak in Nashville, a 14 road division game losing streak. Jacksonville is very much alive uh, in the hunt for the AFC South, which I didn't think was a sentence that would even be possibly uttered three weeks ago. But Tennessee is on life support. Uh, they're in tatters. They've lost three in a row. The last game of the year, guys. For both Tennessee and Jacksonville is the Titans and Jags in Jacksonville. And remember, all Jacksonville needs is to be within one game of the Titans in that game for it to mean everything because they've already beaten them in Tennessee. Which means if they both finish with the same record, they get the division virtue of the of the season sweep. So. You know, Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence is figuring it out. And obviously, here's what happens when you have a real head coach in Doug Peterson instead of a fake, phony, tough guy, pretend head coach in Urban Meyer. Uh, you know, so Dallas has something to prove because Jacksonville's a really good football team right now. And they have a lot of ways that they can beat you. And I think that the Cowboys better be – they better not be looking past this game to Philadelphia or they could be in a world of hurt uh, Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Well, I guess the to, to get you out of here, we got to talk a little about Tom Brady, of course, going up against the Bengals as with <clears throat> uh, Joe Burrow, and uh, arguably, and I don't, and in fact, maybe it's not even arguable, but uh, Joe Burrow has to be in the top three, four, five quarterbacks in the entire. Uh, National Football League but uh, your thoughts on that matchup Joe Burrow the up and coming that guy will be a player in the NFL for a long time and a good quarterback versus Tom Brady who arguably uh unarguably is the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL do you have any thoughts about the 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 matchup for for two guys like that
3: I do um and let's start with Burrow and I think I said this with you guys like When the Bengals are at their best, I'm not sure anybody's better. Like, their best might be better than anybody's, and that should scare people in Kansas City. That should scare people in Buffalo uh, with, as you said, Burrow and the two-headed rushing attack of Samaj AP, Ryan, and Joe Mixon, and then all the receivers, even though a couple of them are banged up right now. Um, But here's my favorite stat of the year. Do you want to know what the record is for teams the week after they play the San Francisco 49ers? You want to take a guess? I'm Five and 20. One and 11. Wow. The only team to win the next game after playing the San Francisco 49ers would be the Kansas City Chiefs, and they had the benefit of the bye week to recover. The point I'm making is San Francisco beats you up. They're a very physical team offensively with a punishing running game and a really good offensive line. And, of course, that defense just gets – I mean, you saw what they did to Geno Smith. By the way, what a bogus roughing the passer call on Nick Bosa last night. Yes. Otherwise, that game's a blowout. Right, an absolute right. Absolute blowout. You're it, right. But, it, but it, wouldn't be an, it wouldn't be a week in the NFL we didn't have a bogus <laughs> roughing the passer call. That's right. Just ask Chris Jones about that on uh, that game yeah. against the, the, the Raiders at Arrowhead. So, the point is, the, the Bucks. hey, can they win? Yeah, but history says they won't because – They're coming off a beatdown in San Francisco, and San Francisco takes a toll on you. So, you know, I know it's in the Chiefs' best
1: interest for the Bengals to lose that game. Uh, I'm not sure that's in the cards. Well, I think you're exactly on target there, and and, uh, with that, I want to say thank you for joining the show today. Trey, I I want you to continue to fling your green and gold afar, (laughs) if you don't mind, as a Baylor grad. It's important that we fling our green and gold, isn't it?
3: yeah yeah it is and that's the worst phrase of all time right like sling our green and gold like who? What? What pastor came up with that idea? Well, uh, the I great don't Southern know. Southern Baptist Institution at Baylor University. Yeah, but you know you got you know what I'm gonna do. Let's go fling some green and gold.
1: I think you're right. There you, <laughs> there you go. Well, anyway, Trey, thanks for joining. It's always a joy to have you on, and uh, I enjoyed immensely. So, and that was the one and only Trey Wingo. Trey is brought to us today by the Caesar Sports Sportsbook. Your first bet is on Caesars. Bet up to twelve hundred and fifty dollars, and if you don't win, you get a you get it back as a free bet. Terms and conditions apply. Must be twenty one plus. Trey, thanks so much. Uh, have a great holiday season with your family. And he is gone. Jacob, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I always love those conversations. Just so good uh, with Trey Wingo and and his experience and knowledge of the NFL and some of those. Some of those stats and stuff he's got access to and pulls out are just awesome to go through. That that game after San Francisco stat, that's fantastic stuff. If you missed anything of that conversation, go to kfhradio.com and go back and listen to it. Paul and I will be back. we got a little NIL to talk. We'll look ahead at a college basketball weekend as well as we make our way through hour number two of Sports Daily. back in everybody sports daily on this friday edition uh, a couple more things we want to hit on here today on the program 869-1240 as so we can sneak in some some calls as well but paul you mentioned this in a story to me you know, overnight, and, and I had seen it a couple different places, but Fran Fashilla tweeting yesterday that he's hearing that some talented college teams are starting to crack because of NIL payments not being made on time, NIL promises not kept or jealousy among teammates, not a value judgment on NIL, he says, it's just human nature, the new normal. I, I think if I remember correctly, he's had issues to some degree with NIL anyway. I'm not sure... I don't, I don't know what to make of this other than it doesn't really surprise me, though, does it, Paul? You know, the Wild West—and we've said this before. It was going to be the Wild West for a while, and then it will, if nothing else, self-regulate to some degree. But this was bound to happen, if it's true, that, you know, yeah, some of
1: these NIL promises aren't being kept. I mean, that's—we we knew that was coming, didn't we? Well, does the sun come up every morning? I think it does. Right. I, I mean, I, as sure yeah. as we were— Talking about the future of of NIL, we knew that there would be problems, things that would need to be overcome. I just didn't think, Jacob, to be real truthful, it would be this quick. I mean, we haven't even gotten through an entire year where NIL is a real deal and guys not getting paid. And and you look at it in terms of, let's say you have an – I'm just going to pick out a business, uh, uh, an insurance agency. And you say, okay. I'm willing to pay this guy with your basketball team X amount of dollars, let's say $500 a month, and he'll promote us. And, everything. and then all of a sudden he said, well, you know something, I'm not sure I'm getting my value. I don't know that I want to do it anymore. I get it. Boy, I'll tell you what, this could, be, this could become a bailiwick for all programs, for all players. And the one problem that I saw coming, and I guarantee you, Jacob, I, I think I remember exactly talking about jealousy. And I remember you and I having a conversation. This was back in the days when, well, what is this NIL thing? What What does the NIL even stand for? Oh, that's what it stands for. Back in the days that were so early, I said, "What's going to happen when a quarterback of a football team is getting, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year, and his offensive lineman's getting, uh, you know, three McDonald's uh, 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 happy meals, and that's all he's getting? What's going to happen?" What kind of jealousy will rise uh, over that? What's going to happen? What what's going to happen inside a locker room? What's going to happen inside teamwork and confidence in everybody? Is that quarterback going to give his offensive lineman some of his hundred thousand? Well, probably not. I mean, I don't know. Some may, but probably not. We talked about jealousy. Do you remember our conversation about? I do, but je- my.
2: My answer now would be the same then though. I mean, you know, that's that already happens in pro sports, right? Like locker rooms exist that yeah. way across across the other sports. It's not it's not unusual. Now, will some guys be jealous? Of course they will. But that's a part of coaching, too. You've got to put that stuff to the side, just like you would in in any other pro league where one player's making a whole lot more money than another player. Um it becomes a part of this and and I do think that Schools that have gone about this and really dug in and tried to set up a system for it are going to be way better off than some of the places where it's just kind of been a free-for-all of sorts because this was always going to happen, right? Like you have to, if you're the universities and the institutions, you've got to be able to help the young people learn how to do this stuff and who can you trust and how can you hold them accountable? And, and I think what we ultimately, and it's too bad, Paul, that, you know, there was so much resistance early that this has gotten no regulation whatsoever because the NCAA doesn't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do because a lot of what will happen and and the things that Fran Freshilla tweeted about of course they're going to happen when you have a Wild West mentality. but if you put some structure in there, you can help this not happen or happen far less And I think you know Wichita State we've learned about their system you know firsthand because Kevin Sauls explained it to us where there's a, a clear system in place and you can go through and you can set things up and it's much easier to do I mean I think that's ultimately where we land but the more of the the more of the university that can help navigate this for young people the better because guys when they become pros don't a lot of the time know how to handle you know people with their hand in their pocket and you know bad business all those things that happen they they're they're damn sure not going to know Paul when they're you know 18 years old so i i do think and you know i i think it's going to be 2 3 more years probably before this has a nice flow and structure to it but I think there's a real advantage for the schools that can get a real good grasp on this because of, you know, the day we live in where the top athletes know that they're going to talk, they're going to communicate with each other. There will be a point where athletes know which places handle this better. And I think those places will have a real advantage in this landscape
1: as we navigate through these turbulent first few years of it. And social media will allow these guys to know who's giving out the most. Where can I go and get the most? I'm interested in playing in the NFL, if you're a football player or the NBA, if you're a basketball player. And while I'm doing this, where can I get the most? Because we're seeing numbers thrown around that would uh, would rival certain, you know, depending on where you're drafted, what round you're drafted, we're seeing some uh, NIL deals that will rival NFL contracts for rookies. We're starting to, you know, with no guarantees that you make the team. You know, that that kind of thing. So yeah, this is this is a bugaboo. And of course, one of the other stories that 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 you and I uh, understand and and some of the bad things that are going to happen now. The if the the, the, the uh, National Labor Review Board is pursuing unlawful labor practices against USC out of the Pac-12. And part of that is because they're saying that uh, different universities, mostly private universities, that when a kid signs an NIL contract, Jacob, it's not just a contract for performance. He becomes an employee of the university, thus has the ability to unionize, uh, to have labor relation boards uh, uh, meet for on their behalf. I mean, there's man, this this thing is is crazy. I just wonder sometimes on on if anybody looked at where this could end up going, and I think it's already. We're probably not even a full year into this thing, and we're already thinking to ourselves, "Man, I didn't know this was going here." Labor relation board, p- private employee of a of a private university. Man, Jacob, we're we're in things I never even dreamed of.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's inevitable. We have unions and all the other you know and and in the other sports. Um, I don't know how that'll work because I, I not all the teachers on a campus are in a union or anything like that. It just, I mean, I'm sure some are, and some aren't. So it'll have to be a decision. The players collectively get together and decide on it, it. It would get complicated because of the different sizes of schools and, you know, the, you know, it's not like they're, they'd be negotiating with similar financial circumstances from one school to the other. So that would get a little weird. That would get a little complicated and you know, but it happens all the time. It, again, there has to be a settling in all of this. We're not going to know this new normal. I think we all want to like think of it as like, oh, this is how it's going to be forever. I I I don't think so. I think and it and I don't know the amount of time it's going to take. It would it will take at least a few years it's going to take a little time. It'll settle in. We'll be used to it. Everyone will know the circumstances and the parameters, and then it won't be that big a deal because we'll, we'll know what to expect. And so will the schools and the players and everybody else. It's just this early part, Paul, that is like, who knows? Because nobody stepped in to regulate it in the beginning. So yeah, it's, it's the wild West. I mean, it really is. And, and, And I don't know what that means for the short term future, but for the long term future, this thing will work itself out just like it does. There's a model in place to some degree, which is pro sports, which is what high level college sports have been for a long, long time, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. So there is a model for this to, you
1: know, to to find some clarity. We just it's going to take some time to find it. Mind if I ask you a question, this is just from one friend to another, and I want your opinion on this. There's no right or wrong answer. Is it okay if I ask you a question? Sure here's my question who who becomes the player to oversee this? Is it the NCAA? will it no, be will I don't it think be, so will it be uh, a group commissioned by uh, different conferences? Will it be the conference themselves? Will it be the universities themselves with you know 300 different universities having 300 you know different sets of rules who ends up, Govern, who becomes the governing body of NIL? Because right now, I don't know who it is. I don't think there is one, if you want to know the truth. I don't think anybody is saying, this is what we do, this is what we don't do. Here's what you should do, you shouldn't do. Uh, I don't know who it is. But it's obvious to me that there needs to be some sort of governing body. In your opinion, who steps up and fills the role? Maybe the conferences, Jacob? Is, I, 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 I'm I, not, think, I don't want to put yeah. words in your mouth. I don't want to put words in your mouth.
2: It's, um, it's, I, I think that's the initial thought. I, I don't know. I mean, the simplest way is for each university to do it, but you've got to have some um, evenness. I think the conferences make the most sense. I think that's the size of it. Cause you, you don't want to go too big. I suppose you could get like the power five together and each one have a representative on some sort of like governing board I don't think it's the NCAA because I think the NCAA is on thin ice anyway with the way that it's operated. So I think the conferences probably are in a better position to do it. I think it gives – I think the school would be a good way to do it, but it would be really hard. But I think if you did did it by conference, Um, each conference can decide how it wants to do it. But that way the playing field is level – at least at that level – I think the conferences make the most sense. I I would guess, if I had to, that that ends up where this lands. But I, I I wouldn't be stunned if there's some sort of commissioner appointed. I don't think it'll be the NCAA commissioner who was just you know named yesterday. I guess. Um, I don't think it'll be that person. Right. I don't. Well, because because that person has to think not just about the big school, but the you know the NCAA's reach goes down to small schools, it would just be too big a task. And one that, you know, again, in the world of athletes being compensated, the NCAA probably just needs to go ahead
1: and stay away from. So so I think the conferences make the most sense. I think somebody's got to step up. And if the conference makes the they most do. sense, I, I think I think that's the right way to go. But somebody's got to take charge of all this because my biggest fear, and what I fear even more than the NCAA, is Congress stepping in and saying, well, here's what we're going to do. we're Congress. We know what we're doing. We'll take care of this and set these laws. And here's here's how we'll handle it. Well, we don't want that. We want this being held. We want this being done and handled by people who understand sports uh, and that kind of thing. So somebody's got to take charge because if nobody steps forward in the next few years and takes charge, Jacob, would you be shocked to see Congress pass a set of laws and say, here's what we're doing and here's how we're going to do it and Here's who's going to govern you. I mean, wouldn't surprise me a lick. So somebody better take charge of this or we'll have government stepping in and and running the whole thing. I don't know if that could happen, but I sure think it might.
2: Yeah, it it, um,
1: local government, state government, or it could be national government. I'm just saying you don't want governments involved. We don't want 50 different sets of state representatives. And I would uh, rather
2: I'll agree with you in this way. I would rather somebody that knows the landscape bingo navigate it Bingo. right you know somebody that that, that's involved and that's why conferences make sense you know even if even if you have uniform rules across a conference but the people setting them up are actually like the athletic directors within that conference that probably works it'll take some time it'll take some time and i do agree with you I, i do think it needs to be somebody that knows the landscape that will help um All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Let's preview a college basketball weekend uh, because we've got some big ones. KU, Indiana, Nebraska, and K-State. And here in Wichita, you've got the Shockers in Oklahoma State at Interest Bank Arena. So we've got some really good ones. We'll talk about them when we return on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody, Sports Daily. Uh, Paul, we got three good college basketball games this weekend. Looking forward to them. You've got uh, KU taking on Indiana. you got the blue blood aspect The both teams looking real good. That's probably the headline game just because of the quality of both of those teams so far this year. But then the other two games also with a lot of interest here, Wichita State and Oklahoma State. We obviously have our eye on that one. Uh, it's a late tip at Interest Bank Arena on Saturday night, and then you get K State and Nebraska also playing this weekend. Nebraska doesn't look bad; a nice little you know test for K State here. They'll play that game in Kansas City before they get into the conference uh, season next Saturday. So. Three good games. I'm looking forward to all three of these on Saturday.
1: Well, there's no question about that, but particularly Wichita State and Oklahoma State, there's some things that obviously we're still looking for from Wichita State. It seems like uh, it's sort of the same conversation, and I don't want to repeat ourselves, but we're still looking for uh, shot selection. We're looking for shots to drop from the three. We're looking for, uh, you know, cutting back on turnovers. There's so much that we're still wanting to see from Wichita State. And and Oklahoma State will be a great test. Oklahoma State uh, is 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 a team that's seven and, and three or seven and four. Uh, it's a good basketball team. They haven't really played a lot of people. They played UConn, uh, and uh, which is uh, which is their only uh, uh, big game of late, uh, losing that game seventy four to sixty four. But it'll be a good test because Oklahoma State's going to come in with what most Big 12 teams will come in with. That's experienced players. That's with athletic players. That's with players with great length. It'll be a great test on a neutral site for Wichita State. So that's the game I'm kind of focusing in. That's the one I would want to see. Uh, Although uh, Nebraska and K-State would be interesting. Nebraska isn't quite as good. I think you give them a little more credit than they deserve. But, uh, well, I, I, they're not—they're not awful, so no, its, no, it's not at awful.
2: least going mm-hmm. to provide some opportunity for K State because you know it's Incarnate Word, and then I think it's Radford or the other games before, so at least gives them something uh, to, to you know to get underneath their belt before they get in a conference play. What's interesting about Oklahoma State to me is it—it's a winnable game, you know, Oklahoma State's not you know, at the level where you look at that for Wichita State and say, oh my gosh, they don't have a chance, right? But Oklahoma State's a winnable game, and that makes it a far more interesting game, I think, for the Shockers. And, you know, if they laid it out in their last game, if they can, you know, play the level of defense that they played their last time out and not turn the ball over like they did their last time out, I think they'll have a real good chance. But Paul, number 14, Indiana, at Kansas, number eight, they've got a big time big man which we know Kansas struggled with some size against Tennessee that's a perfect test for Kansas I love that game for Kansas this weekend to oh. see what they can do against another talented big at Indiana
1: yeah I mean you know you you said it blue Bloods I mean this is, I mean when you consider uh Blue Bloods you know you got the Dukes you got the Kentuckys you got the KUs you got the Indianas that uh, uh, you got to North Carolina. The Blue Bloods. I love that term. That's just so perfect for this. I mean, this takes me back to the days. This takes me back to the days of Bobby Knight and Larry Brown, for instance, battling it out. I mean, come on. Who doesn't love a battle of the Blue Bloods? And that will be the best matchup, I guess, on a, from a national perspective, is Indiana and KU. Can't wait to see that yeah, one either. Bama and
2: Gonzaga play also this weekend, which will be a good one. Uh, but it's a great weekend of college basketball, which is good because we've been missing it this week with finals week. All right, right, we'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap on the networks here as we wrap up a week of Sports Daily.
1: It ain't the latest thing.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.